It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a prospect analyst and writer. And in today's episode, May 14th, it's a Friday. Happy Friday. We are going to be answering your questions, all of the mailbag questions that came in via Twitter. A lot of them today. I'm going to get to as many as I can. Normally, I do not get this many. So I am really pumped and I Thank you times a million for all of the questions. And if you didn't get a chance to ask any questions uh, in time for this mailbag, as it was a bit short notice, I put it out kind of late morning today, and now I'm recording this right around 5 p.m. Eastern time. Normally, I'll try to give it out a day in advance, but you can always DM me. Just know that you can always DM me any questions you have at rmlayton8 on Twitter or at LO underscore MLB prospects. And I'm always happy to answer them or save them for the episode, but I'll probably answer it and then re-answer it in the episode anyway. So you get your answer a bit quicker. Real quick before I start too, if you could take the time to leave a rating, if you enjoy this podcast, I'd really appreciate it as it helps me immensely with visibility. And I really am grateful for all of the feedback that you all have given me. So let's jump back into it now and let's talk a little bit of prospects as there are so many questions and I love all the questions that come in from different fan bases, different backgrounds, because it's interesting to see who teams want to know about or like who fan bases want to know about within their organizations. Of course, there's the big name prospects, but then there's some more underrated ones that people want to know about or kind of almost a buy and sell on some hot prospects starting the year that we're not really expected to do well this year. Or we're not really as highly regarded coming into the year. And, you know, if we can expect this to continue. So I have all those kinds of topics and questions to answer. And I'm going to start with Alec Manoa related question because I am a big fan of Manoa and I'm going to take any excuse to talk about him is he's been a guy I've been talking about since my most underrated prospects episode which came out about six or eight months ago honestly not even sure but it was a long time ago and I've talked about Manoa a few times since and then of course since this season has started he has been a guy that has just really been worth talking about because not only has he been impressive from spring training on and from the alternate training site and not only was I big fan of his even coming out of the draft the Blue Jays are really excited about this kid because they sent him straight to AAA this is essentially his first full season assignment he got a little bit of a cup of coffee after getting drafted and then we obviously didn't have a season last year and he goes straight from low A to AAA and has been dominating he has been carving guys up because Manoa something that he's always had going for him is that he is a big body dude with effortless velo and that velo seems to just be really sustainable because of how well he uses his body it's not a lot of effort in his delivery and as he's matured as a pitcher he was a bit of a late bloomer not incredibly highly recruited he's a Miami kid that ended up in West Virginia and wasn't hot out of the gate but then really came on strong as his college career progressed and became one of the best pitchers in the country helping West Virginia host the Morgantown Regional for the first time I believe they didn't host a regional in Morgantown for over 50 years so he was a big part of that ultimately they lost to Duke but a really special year he had and then he part 
parlayed that into a good little stint before the 2019 season was over, and then now we're seeing what he has done and how he's progressed. It is a very good fastball, a nasty breaking ball, and a good feel for the changeup. He's got the three pitches. He's got better command than I ever thought he would have. It's just gotten better and better as he's matured, and I really do believe that Alec Manoa is going to be ready to go and be ready to help this big league team at some point this year. And we know the Blue Jays need pitching. They need help. Even if Nate Pearson comes back and is fully healthy, Alec Manoa is going to be a huge piece for this team. He is showing everything he needs to show and a big uh, help for him because he's a big bodied guy, as I've mentioned, and early in his college career had some trouble repeating his mechanics. Is He's exclusively going out of the stretch now, which is not a problem for him. He's actually better at repeating those mechanics now exclusively out of the stretch. And what's interesting is he actually is a guy that closes himself off a little bit, meaning that his stride when he lands, his front side is a little bit closed, and then he comes back over, where at times early in his first start of AAA this year, he struggled to, through the first couple batters, pull that arm back over because he goes a little bit across his body, and he hit the guy in the right-handed batter's box a couple times. I think he had two hit by pitches and almost hit another dude. But then he made that quick adjustment, and I think that cross-body type of offering that he has makes it really hard to pick up the ball because he hides it well. The high velo of the fastball makes it come on you quicker, and it makes it harder to pick up the slider, which is really sharp out of his hand. So I like what he's been able to do. I like that adjustment because at first I'm like, wow, he's closing himself off a little bit when he lands and he's not tugging it back over. But then he quickly made that adjustment and he really hasn't been walking anybody since. He hit that one or two batters in the beginning of his start and then that was it. The command looks great. All of the offerings look great. So to answer your question, Sean, yes, you should be very excited about Alec Manoa. He could be a fixture in the front of the rotation for the Blue Jays for years to come. Next question, which is a Rays-related question. It's Kevin Padlow or Taylor Walls. If you need to pick one, who and why? I got to go with Walls. And while Walls is a bit on the older side for a prospect about to turn 25 years old, he just has a lot going for him. I think he's a really intriguing prospect and a high probability regular that can have more impact with the bat than I think people are giving him credit for. He is a stud defender at shortstop, like a premium, premium defensive kind of guy at a very premium defense position, but can also play second base. I think the arm's good enough to play third if he needed to. And he's a switch hitter with a good feel to hit. He doesn't offer a ton of power, but he's an above average runner and he has a great, great hit tool. Again, the feel to hit is huge. He walks a good deal for a guy that is not really a huge power threat, has always walked in the double digit range around 10 to 12% throughout his minor league career even through the higher levels in 2019 in AA, walked 11% of the time. So far this year, he's walking 24% of the time in AAA. Small sample size, admittedly. It's 34 plate appearances, but that's still a lot of walks. He has just been a guy that he's tough to get out at the plate. He's a great defender. He's a gamer, and he can spray the ball all over the field. And even though he's not the most incredible runner, he's an above average runner, he steals bags. He gets good jumps. He's savvy on the base paths. He stole 28 bags in 2019 between high A and double A, stole 31 in 2018 in A ball. He just does everything pretty well. 
He really doesn't have a huge hole in his game, and it's not like he offers virtually zero power. It's not like you're getting a glove-first guy that's going to hit zero home runs. He is able to run into some baseballs. He had 10 home runs in 2019. I think that he has feel for 10 or 15 homers. In Tropicana, he can definitely sneak some out of there, but you're getting a ton of value with defense. You're getting a really high floor hit tool from both sides of the plate and a pretty good runner that's going to be able to steal bags. He's, again, a very, very high probability big leaguer, but I also also think a solid regular that can hit at the back of your order and be a very, very reliable piece in the back of your order that can pick it quite well in the field. 100% going with walls there, and I think he's actually a great piece for the Rays. There's a chance he may even get the call up before some of the other Rays tops top prospects. I think that's very, very possible. I have another race question, so I might as well do that one first so then I can move on to the other teams as I know it's been a lot of race content recently. Most underrated prospect in the race system, 100% Herberto Hernandez. I mean, I just talked about him the other day, but Herberto Hernandez has one of my favorite offensive profiles in the game. He can't move great. He is no longer a catcher, so he's a subpar defensive outfielder as it stands now. He does have a pretty good arm, but who cares? Because he can really, really hit plus hit tool and is showing plus raw power. And the fact that he is already tapping into that power consistently, the hit tool really plays. I just think that he's going to be able to tap into every bit of his power because of how good of a hitter he is, how good his approach is for a young player. Keep an eye out for Alberto Hernandez. The Rays knew exactly what they were doing when they traded for him from the Rangers. They did give up Nate Lowe, but I think it's a no-brainer for them in that deal. Also, another quick question on Bubba Thompson of the Texas Rangers. And the question is, Bubba Thompson, will he be worth the wait? And I don't love being the bearer of bad news. But I think if you are specifically waiting on Bubba Thompson, you may be waiting for a long time. The tools are undeniable for Bubba Thompson. He was a first round pick in 2017 for good reason. But when you get to a certain point, dreaming on tools, you can only dream for so long, right? At some point, you just can't dream anymore and wait anymore. He's only 23 years old, so it's not like he is done yet. I just think if you are really holding out for Bubba Thompson to put it together, I'm not sure that that will happen. And I don't think he's has a high probability of reaching his sky high ceiling. He is a guy with plus raw power. He's a plus runner. He has a lot of tools, but the one tool that really lacks, and it's probably the most important one, is his hit tool. I really don't have confidence in his ability to hit the ball consistently. He's never been a guy that walks much. He strikes out a ton, hovering around 30% in his minor league career. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to put it together. So far this year, he's off to a good start. No doubt about it in double A. He is hitting right now 297, 333 on base, and he already has a pair of home runs. But the problem is he's striking out 36% of the time, walking 5% of the time. It seems like he's kind of due to regress a bit. And unfortunately, that's probably what the case is going to be for him. I just don't think that with his lack of ability to hit, the inconsistency with his swing, a lot of swing and miss there. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to really reach that ceiling, which is a shame because he does have about 20-20 potential, no doubt, with the speed and power combination that he can offer, maybe even better than that, but I just don't think he'll hit enough to get to that potential. Next question is one of the Pirates organization, and it's who is standing out in the Pirates organization so far prospect-wise, and what steps could some of the bigger name prospects take to continue to improve? Well, I want to start with a name that I think is a really intriguing one, and it's Ronzi Contreras, who has been utterly dominant through his first two outings so far in Double A. Contreras came over in that Jamison Tyone trade, and he has been just phenomenal. 
he is seeing a big jump in his fastball velo. He was more in the low 90s in 2019. Now he's up to 95 to 98 so far this year, which is way up. He has a good command of three pitches and was always one of the more pitchability type of guys. Now he is showing way more velo and better quality of stuff. The slider is ticked up and stuff. The changeup has a good feel for it. And now that he has more separation between the fastball and the changeup, it was playing up more now as closer to a plus pitch. The slider and changeup were more 50 to 50 grades. Now they're playing up more towards 55-60. All of a sudden, we might be looking at a budding prospect here in the pirate system. He's still only 21 years old. He's not the biggest dude at six foot 175, but also is really athletic and able to repeat his mechanics well. He had a great year in 2019 in A ball, but that was mostly predicated on his pitchability. 132 innings. He had a 3.33 ERA, and he punched out only 113 but he only walked 36. So he was just more of a three pitches for a strike guy, get you to get yourself out and pound the strike zone. Now he's a blow it by you guy, get you to swing and miss, and also still locates it pretty well, which is everything you'd want out of a pitcher. Yes, it's only been two starts, but so far the velo bump, the quality of stuff bump is very, very encouraging. And through his first two starts, 11 innings, he's only surrendered five hits. He has punched out 22 and has not surrendered a single run yet. He's averaging 18 strikeouts per nine. I mean, this is an incredible start, and it's not like he's doing it at high A. He's doing it at double A. Skips over high A, looking like a really good piece from that Jamison Tyone trade. And the Yankees, they could probably use a pitching prospect like this, although Tyone has looked a little bit better in his last couple starts. He is a good pickup by this Pirates organization that really needs to find some pieces and keep boosting that system. Obviously, that is one of the more underrated guys that I've been impressed by so far. I think that to answer the second part of the question, what are some steps that uh, some big name prospects can take? I still am really liking what I've seen from Tanaj Thomas. And you know, that's a name I've been on for a while if you've been listening to the podcast. But I do think Tanaj needs to just continue to get closer to being able to repeat his mechanics. He is such a good athlete that I don't think it's going to be a problem long term, but he has walked four and seven innings. At times, it seems like he struggles to command the secondary stuff or will overthrow the fastball sometimes, which he doesn't need to do because it's a pretty effortless upper 90s. We've seen him hit triple digits. So I want to see him just kind of take it back to the basics a little bit, improve the command a little bit. But as Tanaj Thomas continues to develop, he's still very early in his development as a converted infielder. I think he is going to be a force to be with Travis Swaggerty, I actually think has been a little bit of a victim of bad luck. He is actually starting to put it together a bit more at the plate. The power has not quite come out in the way that we wanted to see it. He only had nine home runs in 2019 and 121 games, but he already has two home runs this season. While the average is not the most exciting at 214, he's suffering from a 190 BABIP. So what I would say to answer the, what do some of the big name prospects need to do? Just keep swinging, Travis. Keep swinging that bat. Don't get too contact oriented because I still like him looking to do some more damage. I know he's still a plus runner, maybe even a 65, 70 grade runner when he can really move. But at the same time, you need to do a little bit of damage in today's game as an outfielder. Swaggerty has above average to plus raw power. I want to see him tap into it more because right now he is just not really tapped into it in the games. The good thing about Swaggerty is that he flies. He can play center field. There's not as much pressure on him being 
a really, really big impact bat, but if he wants to reach his true prospect ceiling, let's see him try to do some more damage early in the counts and not get too contact oriented. I think he's starting to get to that point where he knows what he wants to do in certain counts and when to try to do damage and when to be a little bit more of just set the tone and get on base as a really good runner, but he's so toolsy that I don't want to totally forget about Swaggerty either. A lot more fun questions to get to in just a moment here from the Rockies to the Royals to the Angels and just about every team in between. Also, a question on Kellenic and, of course, Logan Gilbert's debut, which did not go quite as planned. And then a little bit on the next Giants pitching prospect that could make it up to the big leagues and try and help them as they lead the NL West. We'll see if they have any reinforcements to try to help them stay out in front of the Padres and the Dodgers. Going to be pretty hard to do that, but you know that they're going to try to do whatever they can to keep this uh, momentum rolling. And the Giants have been a pretty cool story so far, although it is very, very early. Before I get to those questions and those topics, a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. We got baseball season in full swing right now, and there is also NBA and NHL heading straight into the postseason. You can get all of your latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs into the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. that's one word, Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts, also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, coconut, Coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, just to name a few. And they are all high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, low in fat, and great for a keto diet. They are the best tasting protein bars on the market. They are covered in chocolate, easy to chew. It's really tough to beat. What else could you want in a protein bar? And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED15, for 15% off your next order. So let's talk about some of these other questions because there are so many interesting questions that I want to get to. And one comes from Locked on Rockies. And you know what? I want to throw Locked on Rockies and the Rockies fans in general a little bit of a bone here because it's rough right now. The Rockies are not great at the big league level and the system is getting there, but it still needs some help. And it's not like the Nolan Arenado trade brought in any monster pieces that you'd expect for one of the best players in baseball and the best third baseman. However, even though it was a pretty crappy return overall, uh, given the circumstances, some of the pieces are starting to look pretty good and answer some of the questions that I had, especially Alaris Montero, who I actually mentioned ironically on the last episode, but I felt like this was such a specific question that I have to bring him up again. And he was the one guy I highlighted that would be able to potentially salvage this trade. Of course, you have Austin Gomber at the big league level that is a serviceable back end of the rotation arm, incredibly inconsistent, but sometimes turns in some good starts as a tall, lanky lefty. However, Alaris Montero is very interesting to me as a player with plus raw power, has shown an ability to hit against older competition as a younger player, and then just had a terrible 2019 that really just kind of took him off the radar. He was a player that was starting to emerge as maybe even a top 100 type of player and was climbing up the St. Louis Cardinals top prospect list and then 
battled a lot of injuries in 2019, and also got a really aggressive assignment. He had only played 24 games in 2018 in high A, and he had hit really well, 286 and a 110 WRC plus, and demolished A ball pitching where he hit 15 home runs in 103 games. But then all of a sudden, to start 2019, the Cardinals just go, okay, you're going to start in double-A. I don't think he was quite ready for double-A. But not only that, he was dealing with uh, quite some injuries, including the most uh, brutal injuries that he could have to a hitter of his type. As I talked about in yesterday's episode, he's a very handsy hitter. He's a guy that has quick wrists, and he broke his hand, and he also had wrist issues. So that's going to hamper your swing, and it takes a while to get back from that. And not only was he playing against higher-level competition that he may not have been ready for, he was pretty much hampered with the injuries that he had and was trying to play through it. It was only 59 games in AA, and albeit he was abysmal, but not enough to just say, okay, this guy's cooked. He's still crazy young. Now, two years later, so those struggles in AA were as a 20-year-old, he is off to a great start in AA, where he's actually been incredibly impressive. So far this season, nine games, again, small sample size, but 344, 450, 625 slash line. The strikeout rate is cut down to 25%. He's walking a good deal. Couple home runs already, 13 driven in, and he's looking more like that 2018 Alaris Montero. One, because he's ready for this level of competition, and two, because he's healthy. And I think that is a huge boost for him, and something that I don't think a lot of people were expecting, and I don't think it was fair for him to kind of just fall out of the radar after what was a banged up season for him in an aggressive assignment. I think that Alaris Montero can hit. I don't think he's going to stick at third, but the bat is for real, and especially at cores, that power is going to play up even more. He's got 30-plus home run potential there, no problem, and I do believe that he could actually turn into a major league piece for the Rockies and salvage that deal a little bit. Nolan Arenado value, probably not, but he will salvage the deal for them and at least give them another big leaguer outside of Austin Gomber. Another interesting question, and this is one that, you know what, I had to address at some point because I have not discussed. Daniel Lynch since I hyped him up big time. And I've hyped him up for a while as my number two left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. And I really liked what we saw after the first outing where that just knuckle slider pitch that he likes to throw, the spiked slider as they call it, was just disgusting. The fastball looked pretty lively, and I was like, okay, this guy really is starting to look like the player that I thought he could be. The problem is, and this was something that I mentioned going into the White Sox game, but I did not think he would be this bad, and then he was bad after that game as well, that he cannot pitch great against righties because he doesn't have much faith in the changeup, and he also is just leaning on the fastball exclusively because the slider isn't as effective against righties. It's still a good pitch, but if you don't have a changeup, it's going to be really hard to be able to get righties out. And so far this season, I mean, he's seen a lot more righties, and that's going to be the problem. And I think I kind of underestimated that, and that's on me. So I'm sorry if you uh, went out and got Daniel Lynch because of me. Um, I hope that you took some of the other advice that it's gone a bit better. But uh, yeah, I may have been a little bit too bullish on Daniel Lynch just because of the fact that he can't get righties out. Right now, I think he could dominate big league lefties. I really do. But right now, he's only faced five lefties. He's faced 41 righties. And in those 41 at-bats, he's given up 17 hits, 11 earned runs. He's walked five, struck out six. He's faced five lefties. He's always surrendered one hit, struck out one, walked nobody. So we're, we're kind of seeing the, the struggle here. He needs a third pitch. Maybe he wasn't big league ready. He needs to be a bit more polished and be able to get righties out. His 
fastball already has some arm side run as a lefty, so it often tails back over the plate. And he is not a guy that is able to get away with that as much because he doesn't have the changeup. The slider breaks towards you if you're a righty, so you're kind of sitting fastball, adjusting to the slider, and you feel like you'll be able to battle against him even with two strikes, and that's exactly been the problem. The question was, though, is he a bust? Of course not. I am still incredibly high on Daniel Lynch. He just needs to get that third pitch going, especially as a lefty whose breaking ball is not as effective against right-handed hitters. It's just not really uh, a case for him to be successful right now at the major league level because right-handed hitters in the major leagues will eat you alive if you don't have a pitch to keep them honest. I just don't think he was quite ready yet, and we're seeing that. He's going to get sent down back to the minor leagues, and he'll have a chance to work on that again. And I think next time we see him at the big league level, he'll be much more polished and ready to go. I think I was just a little bit too gung-ho on him because he is one of my favorite prospects uh, on the mound, but he just clearly is not ready yet. That being said, there's no reason to panic or say that this kid is a bust. He's 24 years old. He's a 6'6 lefty that is still developing. However, he needs to still develop. And that changeup not being there is just not going to cut it for him against right-handed hitters. And we're seeing that big time so far this year. Next question is a big league one again, and a starting pitcher that struggled in his debut as well in Logan Gilbert. Actually, Daniel Lynch was good in his debut, struggled in the subsequent two outings. Logan Gilbert uh, did show some flashes. He did get some swings and misses, but also did struggle at times to get those swings and misses when he really needed them. He was good when he was ahead, was struggling when behind, and I know that's kind of common with pitchers in general, right? You want to be ahead, you're going to do better. That being said, a lot of pitchers in the big leagues and just successful pitchers in the big leagues, frontline starters, are able to get out of those hitters' counts because they have a fastball that they can rely on, locate, and get guys to foul off, swing through, and kind of erase some of those uh, hitters' counts. Or they have so much confidence in their secondary stuff that they can throw it when behind. The problem with Logan Gilbert, and this was something that I had kind of floated as my concern with him heading into this start, and one of the reasons why I don't have him as high as maybe some others is that his fastball is just a bit too hittable. I know he's 6'6", and he gets this extension, and it has a little bit of life to it where he's able to throw it pretty hard, but it is pretty flat. And when you look at the strikeout numbers through the minor leagues, you're like, well, he gets plenty of swing and miss. I agree, but I think a lot of the reason why we saw so much swing and miss for Logan Gilbert was that he is a big pitcher that gets crazy extension, and he was able to just overpower guys, just blow it by them. But now, as he's getting to the higher levels, and especially now the major leagues, you can't do that. It's really hard to overpower major league hitters with a fastball unless you're Garrett Crochet out of the bullpen, and even then, guys are going to be able to catch up to you eventually. We've even seen it with the Roldis Chapman. He had his splitter now. I mean, he even had to go a little bit more to the secondaries. Nobody can just lean fastball only and be dominant. That's not really the case with Gilbert, though. He's not a fastball-only guy. He has a great feel for his slider, and the slider actually was better than I thought it would be in yesterday's game. I'd like to see it be a little bit sharper and a little bit tighter as it can get a bit slurvy at times, and I think that's why if you look at baseball savant, it said he threw X amount of sliders and then X amount of curveballs. I think some of those pitches were the same, and it was struggling to kind of differentiate the two, and that's a little bit of a problem with Gilbert. I want to see a little bit more sharpness to that slider. He did throw in that curveball that was a bit slower at 74 miles an hour, so he did have those three distinct speeds, but we didn't see him throw a single change up, and that fastball is going to struggle even more if you're not changing eye levels, changing the balance of the hitter with a changeup and tunneling a little bit and just keeping them honest. They're kind of sitting fastball, adjusting to the breaking ball, and even though there's three speeds technically with the curveball, 
there wasn't a pitch that he threw enough or showed enough confidence in for hitters to really be wary of. And it was really just fastball slider for him. And the fastball is a bit flat. It just doesn't have that much life to it. Doesn't have a ton of spin. Only 2,100 RPMs. I just don't know if Gilbert is going to be able to pitch successfully with that mold. If he can develop that third pitch enough to where we see him trust it more in other starts, he's going to have to be a bit more pinpoint than I think some may think he needs to be because he looks like a guy that has better stuff than he really does. I think he's a really solid number four with a chance to be a good number three. Uh, but I, unless he makes some major strides with his stuff, I just don't see that front end guy that some believe that he can be. Two more questions to get to. One is Astros related and one Marlins related. This one is on Jose Siri, a very interesting prospect because he's 20, almost 26 years old, has not quite panned out throughout most of his minor league career. He's been around for a while, started with the Reds, now with the Astros. There's a lot of swing and miss in his game, but he also has some tools and he's interesting. He's a plus runner. He has above average raw power and he has a cannon for an arm. But again, another guy that just has not been able to hit consistently enough, has that high strikeout rate, and he has shown flashes where he has been just a crazy productive player. We've seen him steal as many as 46 bags in one season. That was an A ball back in 2017. That same season, he also hit 24 home runs. So, I mean, he's shown how dynamic he can be, but especially as he got to the higher levels, I think the struggles with the hit tool started to really uh, expose themselves. And we saw that kind of start in high A in 2018. The strikeout rate continued to climb, and he was always hovering around 30%. And then, really, when he got into double A in 2018. That's where the strikeout rate just got too high. The offense was just too inconsistent. He was showing the power still. He was stealing bags, but just the hit tool was just not there. And you look at him and you're like, okay, that's a guy that gets to the major leagues and just will not be able to hit enough. And I think that's why the Reds ultimately kind of gave up on him. But now, triple A with the Astros, he's off to a great start. He's still swinging and missing a lot, though, and he's not walking a ton. I think he's interesting, no doubt about it. I mean, three home runs already this season in six games. We know the tools that he has. I just still don't believe in, similar to like I was talking about with Bubba Thompson, like I just don't know if the hit tool is ever going to be good enough. And with him, he has some other tools to offer, just like Thompson does. And I think he's produced a lot more than Thompson does, or has, excuse me. So there is a potential there where you could have a very interesting bench piece as somebody that could be a fourth outfielder that offers some power that could slot in. He's going to get his shot at the big league level. And that was the question is, can he crack the big league team? I think he gets his shot just because of how unique he is as a just tooled out player. I just don't think he's going to be able to hit enough to be that kind of caliber of player that some are hoping he can be. And I don't even think he's going to be able to hit enough to be a regular, unfortunately. And the 611 BABIP through his first 32 plate appearances, I think is a bit unsustainable as he's always been a guy with a much lower BIP, typically in the 250 range to even 230 range, even when he was going pretty well. I'm not believing in it, unfortunately, but hopefully he'll prove me wrong and continue to hit. You never know with these guys. Adolis Garcia was a very similar profile, and I just recorded a podcast on how I'm sold on what he's been able to do. So you never know on Siri. I'll never say he can't do it, but I will not be holding my breath. Last question is Marlins related, and it's about two of the exciting outfield prospects in the Marlins system, but not J.J. Bleday. This is a question about Peyton Burdick and Cameron Meisner and what I think so far. Well, Meisner has been assigned to high A, and I think he's really starting to settle in and put together some good at-bats. He's super toolsy as well. I just want to see him tap into the power a bit more. He's got a good approach. He's got a good swing. I don't have a question about the hit tool, but he is a guy that has 70-grade raw power 
depending on who you ask, but uh, most people will say 70 grade raw power, yet we haven't really seen him produce at any level, even back to college, at the level of, or the caliber of power that you would expect from him. When it comes to Peyton Burdick, he has shown what he can produce and what he can do. Another guy that has above average speed, ridiculous raw power and has shown it in A-ball. He hit ridiculously well in A-ball in 2019, but Peyton Burdick got a really aggressive assignment to double A and he's struggling. He has one home run, but he's swinging and missing a ton. And I don't know if he was quite ready for the double A assignment. I think that Meisner right now has more time to get his feet under him as he gets that high A assignment. They're from the same draft class. Meisner was actually drafted ahead of Burdick. So it shows you how encouraged the Marlins have been by Burdick to give him that double A assignment. I just think it's a bit of a tough one for him and he may struggle this year. And it might be one of those years where he's gonna have to hang around in double A and then start again next year in double A. That being said, I think the reports to answer the question are solid though. I think you're seeing a lot of good things from them. I just think you're also seeing two players that are a bit raw and didn't play last year. And that's exactly what the case is, is they were 2019 draftees and it's going to take a bit of time. But I think that the aggressive assignment of Burdick means that fans need to be a bit more patient. And Meisner, you want to see him start producing soon because the high A assignment for him is right where he needs to be. And he needs to start hitting like the guy that the Marlins think he can be. So that'll do it for this mailbag episode. Thank you all for the questions. I think there's so many good ones. Also, one more question I wanted to get to is when do I think Wander is going to be called up? It needs to be called up as soon as possible. The Tampa Bay Rays middle infield is hitting for like 180 right now, and Wander Franco would instantly be a boost there. So as I was doing my wrap-up, I just caught that question as soon as possible. Hopefully in the next couple months, maybe sooner than that. You're getting no offensive production from your middle infield right now if you're the Rays, and that would be such a big boost for them. But you could also see them potentially calling up Taylor Walls first, as he's an older guy, and they might want to just see what he can do before Wander Franco gets a shot. We'll see, because Franco can also play third, and Walls can also play other positions as well. So we'll definitely have to see what the Rays do. They're always a bit outside the box, a bit unorthodox, so it should be interesting to follow. Now I'll actually get to the wrap-up. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for taking the time to ask your questions, and I hope I was able to get to all of them. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to the next mailbag, and I look forward to the next episode, where I'll be talking prospects with you on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.